The following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon and West Coast Windows. God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. do, do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Well, good morning all across the ACN network. This is Marty McClendon, your host for In My Opinion. That's right. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. Can you believe it already? It's Saturday. Almost a month has gone in January. And of course, it's amazing how busy we can get in our lives. Um, but the fact that we're all our goal setting for the 2024, not that they're gone, obviously, was we always reset, recalibrate and keep going. For those that are on track, keep going. Um, for those that aren't, start again. That's the way things work anyway. So I want to say that, you know, since we are in uh, the 27th of January, think about that for a second. Um, we've got, what, 50, let's see, 50, 48 weeks left to go in the year. Okay, plenty of time. Let's get things done and get going, right? Anyway, <clears throat> as we always do, we start to show off. Um, we don't honor the Lord because this is what we do. Um, but then we have some really good stories to talk about. Not stories, but um, things happening in the nation that we need to know about. I'm sure you've heard about some of it. I want to talk about them as well. But today's verse is 1 Samuel, the uh, chapter 3, verse 10. So 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 10, out of the Amplified Version, says, Then the Lord came and stood and called as at previous times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, speak, for your servant is listening. And it looks like every version, ESV, King James Version, NIV, all of them say the same thing. It's funny, when I was reading this this morning, um, I, mem I remember the story. Young Samuel would be sleeping um, by the Ark of the Covenant, and he would hear the voice of the Lord, didn't know it was the voice of the Lord, calling to him. So he went to Elijah, uh, um, Eli, I should say, and um, the, the priest at the time said, yes, when you hear that, respond to the Lord. Here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. Um, why I'm bringing this up is a great verse. It's what we're supposed to do is we rest in the Lord. We spend time with them. We uh, read our, our Bible. We pray. We journal for those that journal. I, I need to do much better about that. Uh, just because there's so much uh, richness and joy and value in communicating in that way with the Lord. Now, this one, though, when it says, and the Lord came and stood and called. I, for some reason, I've missed that before. You know, because we, we know the voice of the Lord. We know the presence of the Lord. We have different times where God in the Old Testament came and appeared as an angel, the Lord, or in the burning bush, whatever. But here we are. Um, the prophet Samuel is a young man, a young boy, if you will. Um, it says the Lord came and stood. I, did, I think that's very powerful comes into the room where Samuel is, calling him. It's almost like the garden, right? When you're in the Garden of Eden, when, when uh, God returned, he's calling for Adam and Eve, knowing where they are. And they were hiding in the bush, in the trees, the garden, or whatever, but they were ashamed of their nakedness, right? Uh, it's not the exact same, but in many ways, he walking into 
the space where we are. And I think that's a really gracious from the, as God sent his only begotten son to us. Yeah, he enters into the space where we are to give us a way to connect with him. And so Samuel, when he says, speak, or your servant is listening, the response is, yes, Lord, <laughs> uh, you're, I'm listening. What do you want? I mean, not what do you want, but uh, I'm yours. I want uh, tell me what to do. Show me what to do. Guide me. Uh, so I think it's really encouraging. Hope encourages you this morning. That's the first Samuel chapter three, verse 10, um, where it says, then the Lord came and stood and called as at previous times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, speak for your servant is listening. I think all too often, um, that last part too, first of all, he knows our name. He made us, he created us uh, for a purpose. Uh, that is all comforting, but then he said, your servant is listening. I think all too often we want the answer we want, and we don't wait to get the answer from God. At least uh, speaking personally, we run headlong into, well, God said this last time, so uh, here we go. And no, God's fresh every morning, every day, and so I just, uh, I think I want to encourage you all to, to uh, take a moment to say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Amen? Amen. All right. So the stories this week on, uh, in my opinion, uh, I was thinking about all the activity. Every, every week there's a, a news cycle. And as many of you know that we do mostly politics here from a Christian worldview, um, very engaged, I feel called to encourage you and my neighbors and other Christians to step out of their comfort zone um, if they're called to the civic government arena. Um, to serve, to run for office, to support candidates, to actually restore, take ground in the political environment, if you will, the political sphere of influence, so that the voice of God, which we are, the hands and feet of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God, if you will, and the um, the reflection of, right? we're supposed to be made in the image of God, and it's supposed to be reflecting His glory, His light, His truth, uh, His wisdom, uh, in every arena and through all the world and to preach the good news, that also means that, that serving in or having people that, uh, that are submitted and committed and filled with the Holy Spirit to the Lord in civic government, you have it, the conversation is there. The darkness, it can't masquerade as light. Light will, will expose the darkness. Light will bring truth and then it will allow people um, to be unburdened to have a choice, to be able to see the contrast of good and evil. And so we're seeing a lot of evil, but as I said, when the dark light, when the people of God have abdicated or were, uh, moved out of a sphere, it creates this thing called a vacuum, which is filled with those things that are anti, the opposite of light, which is darkness. And so all of that is really important why we do this show. So we talk about politics, we talk about real estate, we talk about the culture, we talk about um, the things that uh, affect us, but also that we should be praying about be engaging in whatever missions or the, the huge human trafficking thing. Uh, our, our local church here is uh, got a ministry that uh, combats, prays against, works with local law enforcement and really wants to eradicate human trafficking. I'm passionate about that because, you know, we. Uh, there are more slaves today than there was during the um, Civil War, before Civil War, during slavery, the height of slavery, whether it be in Muslim countries, um, women and children being human trafficked, um, and 
Indian countries and so forth, all across the world, there are uh, people bound in slavery. And we know that Jesus came to set us free, spiritually free, uh, also our freedom. The idea of this nation, it really is the, the idea that we can be free. And why is freedom so important? Now, I always talk about this as well. The founding forefathers knew and they were coming from land uh, from England where the king owned everything. A person didn't own land. If you were a baron, you were entitled to land through family lineage and appointment by the king, but you don't, as a person, as a citizen, uh, you didn't own a piece of land. You were a serf or servant or whatever. You also, um, there's only one church, the Church of England, the Anglican Church at the time, and the king was the head of the church. Okay, it's bad enough, but also supposed to be worshipped as that as well. And so you couldn't worship your own God. You didn't own property. You, know, you, uh, you didn't have freedom. And then, of course, uh, if the government wanted it, they would come and take it. In some ways, it's not that much different right now when it comes to the government. That said, when you think about this, America, the idea of, of putting on biblical principles, which are entire, the Articles of uh, Federation, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and not only allude to, but directly call out that our rights come from God, nobody else, that government is instituted to, to protect those rights. The government can't give you rights or take away your rights. That's the, and they, they come from God's. So we are a people, but to be a free people, we have to be able to choose. So when we choose, we choose to worship God with our own free will, which is what God wants. He wants us to submit to him with our own free will. That in, in America, to be a free man, you have to be a free man to in order to submit yourself. If you're not a free man, you would belong to the king of the country. And then land ownership, I always talk about this as well. Land ownerships are very, very important because um, with land, you have possession, you have ownership, you have stewardship, and you also have the right to defend your property, your person, your value, your land, and so forth. So these ideas were uniquely American. Now they're you know, in many ways worldwide, but this nation that, that uh, emblazoned on the flag is about freedom. It lines up with the biblical values of freedom. Yes, I know freedom can be taken too far, meaning um, our own flesh, if we follow it, will lead us um, to harm ourselves, which is not the goal um, with the, as much freedom as we have. We know how kids are if they don't, haven't been raised or they're given, uh, give an example for this. When I was younger, um, our kids were younger, I should say, and um, we have, we weren't strict, strict, but we had a certain set of rules. Uh, and then they were really well-mannered children, all three of them. Um, and they have, you know, they had their times. We all, we all had that and we weren't perfect parents and had to learn sleep schedules and, you know, um, too soft, too lenient, too strict, whatever. We, we all kind of figured it out as we go along. Uh, I say that though, so we would drop them off. Uh, it was sort of a Filipino tradition that we would drop off our kids at the grandparents for about two weeks every summer. It was a little break for the parents and the grandparents loved it, but they would come home from the grandparents' house just rotten you know, spoiled, uh, out of sync, out of schedule, the whole bit. And it was because they had so much freedom to do what they wanted. All they ate was like sugar and didn't sleep and did not. And they were miserable because that's not what they're used to. It wasn't what was good for them. And it was one of those things where we had a sit down with the grandparents saying, we can't do this. The kids can't do this. There's got to be, hey, it could be more fun at grandma and grandpa's house. But they still have to have that same bedtime. They still have to brush their teeth. They still have to eat good food. And um, we did, and they were fine. As long as the rules didn't change, they were good. 
it was interesting. My son was the biggest example of this. When he went some, somewhere where he knew where the boundaries were, where the rules were, if you will, where you could be, you know, happy, he was happy. When he went to where there was no rules, he was miserable because he couldn't find where the boundaries were. So he tested them. So I think that's in many ways um, that freedom thing. Um, you have to have internal fixation, meaning that's why it was a holy nation. The Constitution, is, as uh, our founding father said, is only good for a moral people, meaning people that self-control, uh, you know, which is a biblical value, right? And it, it, it's wholly inadequate, is what I say, for an immoral people. And it's where we're getting, in many cases, where the church or um, has abdicated places in culture and in the civic government. That's a big kind of way to talk about this. But really, this is kind of why we do the things we do and encourage that this, this nation of freedom is a beacon. It's why a lot of people want to come here, which leads to the story. The biggest story, by far, um, I mean, there's there's a bunch, but the biggest story by far is the southern border. And we've been talking about the southern border, the invasion on our southern border for years. Even during the Trump administration, they were putting a stop to slowing down um, the influx of millions of illegal aliens from all over the world, not just Mexicans, Hondurans, Guatemalans, um, uh, Asians, Chinese, um, Iranians, um, Middle Every, every country on the, on the map, even known terrorists coming across the southern border. So Biden, the first day he got in office, we know, just a recap, and his administration reversed every executive order that the previous president had, just about, you know, when it comes to energy, um, permits for, for oil and gas, um, the southern border, stopping the wall, uh, opening up immigration, basically letting things flood, flood in. Part of this, you know, it's, it's, the strength and the weakness of an executive order. It's only good while the president's in office, meaning only has the strength of uh, law, if you will, while they're in office. And the next president can reverse it, which is good news for 2024. That said, that's why the legislature needs to act and be strong about this. And there's a lot more stuff to talk about that as well, but I'm going to stay on point for a second here. We have this buildup. Now, they, they're, they're estimating between 9 and 10 million illegal aliens have crossed the border in the last two and a half, three years that Biden's been in office. Put that in perspective. Over the last 50 years, they estimate about 12 million illegal aliens are in America um, that have not been caught, not been deported, that didn't show up at their tour date, whatever, that we've already got 12 million. And they were talking about giving amnesty or citizenship or a pathway for years and years. You've doubled doubled the amount of illegal aliens, immigrants in the nation in the last three years, doubled. So we're looking at now 21, 22 million people. That's bigger than many states. That is, that is literally three times the size of Washington as far as population. So the entire um, population of Washington, probably Oregon, Idaho, I, I, I would gather probably even like Montana, throw them all together is the amount of illegal immigration that's now in the nation because of this administration, at least half of it. And this is intentional. Their point was to flood the country with new voters, uh, importing, and, and the problem with that, it's led to massive, massive flood of fentanyl. The cartels are controlling the, the drug trade through, uh, through the southern border, killing thousands of Americans every single year because of the fentanyl. Then you have the human trafficking that is that's also being run 
through the tunnels and the cartels. Uh, women and children are not only are being taken from America and then trafficked in Southern America, South America, but there's um, people from South America being brought up, raped multiple times, being told that they're going to go to freedom in America and they're abused and sold into sexual slavery. This is all stuff that's happening. Um, there are major corridors from Washington, from Tacoma to Seattle, that's known for this. There's major corridors in Houston, Texas, where it's a border near the, near the border and um, big stings have been happening recently of, of trying to catch these groups that traffic humans, um, which is just absolutely disgusting. This has all been made worse, though, by the policies of, of this administration. You could say they just wanted to reverse what Trump did so he wouldn't get, get credit, or you could say this is malignant, this is intentional to uh, have a southern invasion, to allow our enemies to invade our country under the guise of immigration. I, I do believe it's that. So now you have Governor Abbott in Texas. This is why I'm getting there. Governor Abbott has been, uh, and the, and the um, Texas state legislature, and the uh, attorney general, and the uh, um, lieutenant governor have all been pushing uh, for Texas to use their constitutional rights to defend themselves. Um, remember a couple months ago, they had put out the buoys and the, in the, in the river so people couldn't swim across the federal government sued and, um, they were removed basically. The federal, federal government says you can't do that as a state that's danger, endangering illegal immigrants, endangering human life. So remove it. So at that point in time, they complied, they removed it. Remember this is uh, governor Abbott, sorry, governor Abbott, uh, along with the governor of Florida and other governors have been busing and flying these illegal immigrants into places like New York, into places like Michigan and so forth, just so that they can give a taste, these sanctuary states and cities of what the problem is. And with the thousands that they're sending out of the millions that have come across, these cities are being overwhelmed, overrun and overwhelmed. Chicago's one of them as well. That's turning the electric. They're like, no, we don't want this. This is crazy. Well, because they have never had to experience it because it's all been in the southern states, which is the intention was to overwhelm the red states, if you will, politically. It's a dangerous game, this, this president and this administration's plan. Okay, anyway, so we know that, um, and they wouldn't even, go, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, didn't even go to the border for the first two years. Uh, this is one of those things where they didn't want to see the problem that they were creating because then they have to admit there's a problem. Now you have the left and the right all saying there's a problem, we need to fix it, but they're playing games in, in uh, the Senate. They're trying to make deals about uh, continuing resolutions, funding Ukraine some more, tying it all to what we all want, which is securing the border. Okay, you would think we all want it, but it doesn't seem like people all want it. So fast forward, um, Governor Abnett says, looks and his, his team sees that the Texas state constitution and the US constitution allow the, the, the state to defend against invasion. So they take over Eagle Pass Park and with their uh, state national guard and they put fence razor wire up. And what they did was they, they slowed down uh, this illegal uh, overrun into our nation into this one port of entry. They uh, processed, they're still processing people coming through for asylum and whatever, but it made it more orderly and safer for the border patrol and for the state, and of course, for our nation. And the federal government, again, the attorney general, um, went out and sued uh, Texas for doing this uh, for the uh, under the guise that it's not allowing border patrol, the federal border patrol, to access the border to do their job. 
And yet they were cutting wire, cutting the razor wire and literally enabling and bringing in illegal immigrants. They've been for months and months and months, video after video, the border patrol agents basically welcome to America. They throw them in vans and bring them into airports, bring them into um, different uh, ports of entry and then release them to promise to return to a court case sometime in the next couple of years. Basically, you've gotten um, quasi-freedom in America, um, but since you're still an illegal alien, illegal immigrant, now you're, um, you're taken advantage of by those that would use you, sell you into slavery, use you in slave labor, um, uh, manipulate you, the cartels, the drug, drug industry, the, and so on and so on. So it's not like they're free to do whatever they want to do. It's the fact that we've now um, allowed the cartel to run this things, the Mexican cartel uh, and others, and, and the crime lords to run tr- drugs and human trafficking throughout through this, I, under the guise of compassion. It's not compassionate. These, uh, these people need to be free. We, we legally allow over a million a year people to become citizens of this nation um, through legal process and probably another million a year that come through under a H-1B visa where we import um, the labor we need for certain industries like high-tech jobs and computer jobs and so forth. Um, and there's so much money being spent on stuff like that. And it's, we're very generous in our g- immigration system. Okay, back to the story. So the, the Biden administration sues, goes to the Supreme Court for a, um, a temporary injunction. So what it means basically is the Supreme Court says that the federal government even though they have the constitutional duty to enforce uh, immigration or enforce the border, basically, um, that they are the policing agency that does that, that they have the right to or the um, discretion to not enforce. So but literally to go against the very mandate. So since the federal government has been given the authority to enforce immigration, they can unenforce it or basically allow immigration to pour across the border. And I, I think that's just a really bad decision. Now, I'm not, I, who am I, right? I'm a radio show, talk show host. I'm a real estate agent. I'm a man who's been involved in politics. But you have, again, this is why it's so important on these Supreme Court justices. Under the, under the Trump administration, you had Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, all supposedly constitutional conservative judges. And there's been some good rulings because they align with um, Clarence Thomas on being conservative. Um, but there's been several recently, too, including this one, where Justice Roberts, pointed by Bush, uh, President Bush, who's always or seems to be always siding with the Democrats, whether it be Obamacare, that very bad ruling there, or this one, where they basically said the government can do what they want to do. That's, they have the authority to do so. Anyway, it's temporary, but for the time being, um, Texas was told by the Supreme Court that they have to allow federal agents in to cut down the razor wire and to basically not allow Texas to do what they're doing. It's defending themselves, defending this nation, uh, making it more uh, orderly and less of an invasion, but more of an orderly processing station, if you will. So in response, um, the Texas state government, including Governor Abbott, says, too bad, we're going to put more up. Um, I don't care what this, uh, the court said, this is temporary. We're still fighting this out in court. While we do, we're going to defend our citizens, which is our constitutional right. We're going to defend America as well because this is a major point of entry that's causing the drug trafficking, human trafficking, and so forth, as I just laid out before. 
And what's really, really cool now is now you have 25, 25 state governors, Republican state governors, uh, coming in an agreement with Governor Abbott, showing support, saying, we'll ship you um, razor wire. We'll help you on the border. We'll send our own National Guard. Um, This is very, very interesting. Think about this, though. The fact that we have a a Congress right now that's got a lot of lip service, but it's not really getting a lot done. We have a Senate now that seems to be one party. Uh, The Democrats and Republicans seems to be on the page of just going along to get along to do uh, to allow immigration, uh, illegal immigration at this scale to go unchecked while we spend trillions of dollars and go deeper in debt and have inflation rampant and so forth. You have these state governors all elected over the last um, probably five, six, uh, 10 years, Republican, but Republican governors outnumber Democrat governors in this nation, all saying, no, we're defending our state's rights, the 10th Amendment, right? is defended uh, states' rights, our states' rights of, of defending this nation and ourselves against invasion. And this is an invasion with 9 to 10 to 11 million people that, that we know of um, that have come across this border in the last three years. That's an invasion. Like I said, it, that's more than the entire population of Washington and Idaho combined just in what's come over in the last three years. And we don't have the resources, don't have the capacity. We don't know who they are. We don't know who's involved. We know that as Trump said it, that there's there's terrorists, there's gang members, or whatever. Yes, there's some probably really great people, but the point is, is and they've been lied to. They've been uh, paid money. They've been used to get across this for whatever reasons. We've got to fix it. We've got to fix it now. But the first thing we have to do is secure the border. So I want to shout out to Governor Abbott, but uh, Christy Nome, Ron DeSantis, all the other governors that are have come in alignment with and agreed with has set up this thing now. Now you have this, uh, it's going to have to be going to the Supreme Court again. And even then, a look for America during this election cycle at the Constitution. It says everything not reserved, not laid out in the Constitution for the federal government is reserved to the states. The federal government has uh, shirked, has denied, has not done what they're constitutionally mandated to do, mandated to do which is defend our nation and our borders. So the states are going to defend their borders. This this looks very interesting. You know, mostly the southern states against the northern states, if you will. And, of course, Washington and California and, and Oregon have not aligned with Texas. Um, but think about this. This is, There's a major discussion. There's already this shift of mo- people moving out of California, people moving out of Washington, people moving out of the blue states to the red states. And hopefully that doesn't change the, the demographic and the political um, voting of those red states. And I think some of, in some ways it is because that's the goal of it. In some ways, the red states need to move to the blue states to make changes there as well. But here we have this showdown between the states, the red states and red state governors around immigration doing something where the federal government is literally working against um, the na- in- the interest of this nation and the states working in behalf on behalf. I'd be interested to see what you think. You can reach out to me at morningshowmarty at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can listen to past broadcasts um, by your smart speaker or any of your podcasting sites called In My Opinion by Marty McClendon. But this is just the beginning of this. Yes, there was a New Hampshire primary. Yes, there was the Iowa caucuses. Yes, um, South Carolina and Nevada are coming up. Electricals are very important. The battle between Nikki Haley, who refuses to uh, quit even though she's getting her, her tail kicked. 
Um, there's a whole nother story there, but the biggest story that I wanted to focus on today really is, um, even though we've been talking about this for over a decade, probably the border, uh, it's become the not just the hottest issue in the election cycle, but it's an issue that affects you and me. The, the more open this is, the less safe our kids are and the future is, the less safe our country is. Uh, we need to secure this. We need to fix our immigration system. We need to deport um, those who have gotten here illegally because we don't know who they are. We need to know who comes into this country. It is a gift. It is a blessing. We should um, take as many as we possibly can without, um, you know, you put us at risk. And this is one of those things where there must mean something as we in this American citizens um, to raise our kids, to, uh, to run our uh, lives, to build a business. All those opportunities are here because of the morals and the principles of the church and, and, and the Bible and, and our, our citizenship, it's being overrun with nations of the world, if you will, that have different cultures, that different values, that different meanings. And so if we wanna save this nation, we really need to pray, get engaged, as, as I always say, and then support people like Governor Abbott and Texas and South Dakota and Florida, anybody that is willing to take a stand and do what is right. I think that's where it is. We need to get behind those that have stepped forward, that are called and, and are uh, submitted and morally committed um, to Almighty God and, of course, this nation, its values, and then uh, stand with them because we are stronger together than we are apart. So it's time to unite around this. Uh, a big shout-out to those that, that are standing up, and we'll see where this develops. Maybe next week we'll have more information. I'm sure we will. That's all I got for this week. Take care and God bless. This is In My Opinion, and I'm your host, Marty McClendon.